0: Everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tuesdays with Roger. I'm Diana Guver, And once again, we are here with Roger at Nerve Recon Analytics. Hey, Roger.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm well, because it's Tuesday and we have a lot to talk about as usual. Uh, this time we are going to tackle Sprint's earnings. So there was a big headline around Sprint's earnings uh, this year. Can you tell me what it was? They finally made money again. They made- Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so what does this mean for Sprint? Well...
1: It means that if they slow down their subscriber acquisition, because they came in uh, below expectations, that they actually can make money. Uh, so maybe they have to get used to, they have the choice between, do we want to be a regular business that makes money, or uh, do we want to grow and, and lose our shirt? Uh, so uh, I think they can choose that uh, every, uh, every quarter
0: new. All right. So let, let's dig into those subscriber additions, though, right? I mean, they came in slightly lower than uh, I think everybody was expecting, but I mean, then again, it was also expected after Verizon posted higher than expected uh, gains in subscribers, right? Uh, and that kind of played off each other. Do you want to talk about that a bit?
1: Uh, well, if you are, if, if you want to, yes. But yes, very, please. Of course, you know, um, uh, yeah. No, what was very interesting is Marcello is that. Uh, you know, the beginning of the quarter went really well. And uh, then Verizon came out with its unlimited plan and then it didn't go well. Uh, and that's why the below uh, expectation numbers come up. And it highlights also that, that still, you know, Sprint and Verizon are the ones that are trading most a lot of customers, and, and T-Mobile and, and AT&T. So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's Sprint has to find that balance between being profitable and growing. And uh, I don't think half off is, is the answer, especially so long, you know, going at it so long and and and, and it highlights you what know, the big trade-off, that the customers they get are marginally profitable. Right. Because they give away all the profit by being half off, so maybe they have to be a little bit slower and grow. Uh, I think it would help them with uh, with their whole acquisition uh, uh, quest, where where they are running up to basically everybody in the industry and says like, "Oh, you want to get together?" and everybody says no. <laughs>
0: Uh, So, I mean, speaking of acquisition uh, efforts from Sprint, I mean, one of the things they did is they came up with that offer of free unlimited uh, for a year. And they were targeting, as we have discussed, you know, mainly Verizon and, you know, a sprinkling of other uh, carrier people. But uh, according to uh, the executives on the earnings call, that only made up, I think it was like 1% of their additions in the quarter. I mean.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and we talked about it on the show uh, that. It's a very big splash in a very small pond. Right. And it grabbed a lot more headlines and and a lot more uh, writing by analysts and and journalists than it grabbed attention from customers. And we expected that here on on this show. Uh, But it also showed that, you know, if if you have a happy uh, Verizon customer, he won't go to Sprint for free.
0: Right.
1: Uh, Which is a... Testimony itself?
0: <laughs> Oops. Uh, but, okay, so Sprint uh, came in a little bit lower with subscribers than they expected in the second quarter. In the third quarter, though, it, it, the executives kind of indicated that they're back on track, right? I mean, um, I think uh, Marcelo said that they're back up to 115 or so thousand um, net additions in July alone, which he said was more than the last quarter entirely. Yeah,
1: but I'm sure that in April, he had 115,000 too, and then, and then Verizon uh, showed up and, uh, and peed in his cornflakes.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, before we move on to our next topic, I want to see, uh, can you give us a brief overview of what you're expecting from Sprint through the end of the year? I mean, we have some big uh, phone launches coming up. What are your predictions?
1: Well, I think they will be very aggressive with the phone launches. Uh, you know, they very frequently said that you know Apple is their preferred partner, and with Apple coming out with a new phone, they're tying their their fortunes with it. So I would expect very aggressive uh, offers from Sprint uh, around the iPhone, especially with trade-in, because. SoftBank uh, also owns Brightstar, Marcelo's old company, and uh, has an ideal way of, uh, of trading in the phones and refurbishing and, and selling them uh, somewhere else. Yeah. So uh, I think it will be roughly what we are seeing with Sprint. I, I don't see a big change uh, that would change the current um, uh, trajectory. I think uh, for for me the big wild card is is much more AT&T that has new leadership uh, when it comes to to wireless with, with John Donovan, so that's where I expect changes to happen.
0: Well, that actually is a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next, and that is the leadership changes at AT&T. Big news, uh, Glenn Lurie is leaving uh, as of the start of September. I mean, what do you make of that? Is it part of just the natural evolution with the Time Warner merger or is something else going on?
1: Well, I think it's a natural evolution. You have a, you have a new executive in charge who is setting things up uh, uh, in, in his way uh you know when, when we look at at and uh, over the last several years top line was flat all the profit came in from uh, efficiencies gains uh, cost cutting uh, and a lot of the efficiency gains and doing it smarter came from John Donovan's rule so he's the one who delivered uh, the profits and the increase in profits and uh, you know, I, I don't know what I'm. I'm not privy to what happened uh, inside. Uh, you know, the Whitaker Tower in, in Dallas. But, um, you know, Glenn. You know, was really one of the the, the faces of AT&T. He, uh, after Ralph um, uh, moved on and, for example, took over. Um, business and and uh, mobility in general. He took over wireless and was responsible for sales and and operations. Uh, but I think that the and and I think did a good good job. But you know, top line stayed flat. Um, I think what what Glenn did uh, fantastically was he is really the father of cellular IoT. He he turned um, AT&T in into this IoT uh, juggernaut under his leadership. When he when he got tasked with that job, in addition to managing the day to day relationship with with Apple, uh, there was no IoT. There was no no meaningful IoT. Right. And, and you know he helped to get the Kindle uh, away from Amazon. That has been a growth engine. Uh, under his leadership, they did a lot of the auto deals. So uh, I think uh, you know it's uh, uh, AT&T really. Uh, you know he he left his mark and 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 gave it a stronger uh, new standing uh, leg to stand on than than it had before. And when you look at AT&T's mobility numbers without IoT, it's in not as pretty as it looks like uh, today, so you have to give him a lot of credit for that. And You know, he's, I think Glenn is 51, I think we, we will see a lot more from him, I, I don't think he will be in retirement. Uh, Very long, if at all. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of vim uh, and vigor uh, left in,
0: in, in Glenn then we will have to track him as he goes. Roger, I think that's all the time we have for today, Um, but I wanted to thank you for um, your insights as always and um, your your kind words about Glenn, and we will just have to watch him as he goes. So thank you, Roger, and we'll be back next week.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.